I'm Jennifer Torrance, and this is Talking Experiments from Borealis, a festival for experimental music. Today I'm speaking with the Norwegian composer and clarinetist Kristina Sjørgesen. On this episode, Kristina discusses how she draws inspiration from nature in the creation of her recent musical works, whether that inspiration is in the form of sound, movement, data, patterns, or behavior. She shares with us her compositional processes, including how she develops her inventive sound palette and how she collaborates to realize fully scenographic pieces. She also tells us about the fascinating Bowerbird, which is the specimen behind her new work for sound initiative, premiering at Borealis 2022. So today I have the pleasure of being live in person in the studio with clarinetist, composer, and my very good friend, Kristina Sjørgesen. Welcome. Thank you. My first question is always the same for everybody, and that is just in a few sentences, can you tell us what your artistic practice is? Yeah. Um, first uh, of all, I'm, I think I, I'm a composer the first. Like before, I, I was a clarinet player, and then uh, it's been like a, s- a ride, slow, the like transformation to uh, become a composer. So um, yeah, I make pieces often with uh, visuals and uh, music, and uh, yeah, exploring, exploring uh, things. I think is exciting mm. in the moment. Mm. Your music is often taking in inspiration from nature and animals and things like that. Would you say this is some kind of red thread through your composition? Yeah, I think so. Like more and more the last maybe six years, perhaps. But um, it's always been a huge interest since I was a child. So yeah, it's <clears throat> natural for me to to put it in my in my work because it's so close to my everyday thoughts so um, yeah and also now it feels very important to put this in the in the concert hall and make the audience think about what can be what can be lost or exciting things they can explore and discover themselves maybe through this also where they are in the world and why we are doing things and and how and yeah okay so does it mean that you think about your artistic practice as a way of waking up or inspiring an audience specifically about nature of course there's other things that i'm sure you think about but is it, are you really trying to move the audience somehow yeah i think so i I'm, yeah this is a part of it i think but i, I like to put audience in another situation that they so they can yeah maybe discover things that they didn't know or hear music in a way they didn't thought of it before or and it i think it's it's something with to combine sound and an image and movements and 
Yeah, and also sounds that we know from before, from nature, to put this in, yeah, to play this on the instruments and you are not sure if it is the real sound or the instruments and yeah, this yeah, can make you think and mm. be uh, exciting for me. Did you have your, un, your own moment of this realization that you heard nature in this way, in a new way? Or do you feel you've always been able to listen for this exciting natural world? I add music to like uh, things that don't have any sound or I imagine my own sound to... Uh, yeah, for example... I made this orchestra piece made based on the data of the firefly flash, like you know, the lights of the fireflies. So this, um, yeah, it's it's a way to create my own music based on data, for example. So light and movements uh, create music in my head. Mm. So I think often the music comes from not often the sound itself, but the movement of the animal or the blinking or something the animal do can create the sound mm. that I want to or a story I want to tell or yeah something abstract perhaps but yeah for example things that are underground because we can't see it and we don't know if it sounds underneath our feet so this I think is exciting to to explore because we don't know Right, because you made a piece for the Norwegian Radio Orchestra, which involved mushroom and tree <laughs> communication. Yeah, yeah. Called Between Trees. So yes. yes. And then you also made a work for Ensemble Recherche, which was taking in fish sounds. And of course, <laughs> we're here today in part to talk about your new work for Sound Initiative, which deals with the bowerbird. Yeah. But before we go to the bowerbird, <laughs> I really love this idea about trying to hear the unheard or the unseen or worlds yeah. that we can't imagine. Uh, how do you research these things? How do you find these, like, for instance, these fish or trees or whatever? What's your process of going, this is a totally fascinating unseen world, and then now I'm going to give it a voice? I think I, I'm, I always love watching nature documentaries since I was still kids and um, I also read a lot of books about nature and watching programs or Google or things or read uh, yeah look at things on YouTube so this is inspiration come from this so um, yeah I don't know what was the question no, yeah, then so so you first you're you're using the internet to find <laughs> n natural phenomena and animals and creatures that are totally fascinating to you. And then, okay, you decide this piece is going to be about tree communication. Yeah, it can yeah. be. Yeah, and I also talk, I have a good friend as a biologist, Hanna Björgås, and I, got to, I get a lot of inspiration from her. Mm. Like we uh, chat on the internet uh, and she tells me about this because she told me about this uh, fungus that uh, grows in, in uh, patterns, like in, in in rhythmical patterns. And these are like, wow, this is perfect for uh, like making some uh, nice patterns. And then I get a lot of inspiration for music material. I just... Uh, find myself underground mm. <laughs> I don't know yeah it's, it's, this for me this uh, it makes it easier to create music 
because then I get very clear ideas and clear sounds coming to me. And I also have a, if I don't know what to, to write or what the piece is going to be about, I can just walk out the door and <laughs> and find inspiration wherever. I think it's about to be open for your surroundings and the most stupid idea is often the best. Mm. Yeah, so uh, I think simple things are, are the best. And One thing that I am always so blown away by in your music is the orchestration you have such a refined and in uh, refined and uh, imaginative use of instruments that are already found in our classical music world but you also bring in objects that sounds that you found maybe at a market or something can you talk about this sound research that you are so good at <laughs> yeah i think this is the most fun part of the job uh, then I yeah then I'm really like ooh, excited when I find what the piece is going to be about and I start to search for material and then um, often I sit at home uh, improvising I have many instruments at home I try to learn uh, many different instruments and then I have this approach that I'm an alien or something that just landed on earth and just take an instrument and explore it like um, very uh, in a fresh new way or something that are not so linked to all the all the all the ideas i have from the past <laughs> but this is not so easy but uh, then you can force <laughs> yourself to to think that the instrument is very fresh and then all the things that you are think is boring also becomes very fresh so it, like the normal tone can be extremely exciting so i try to yeah have this approach to to finding sounds but also i meet a lot of people that uh, i'm very inspired by as yeah jennifer torrens for example <laughs> and i call them oh can you meet me i have this idea for peace and then yeah we meet and uh, we play around and maybe i play some sounds that I found like of singing fishes from Great Barrier Reef or yeah it can be like uh, yeah maybe I, I recorded some sounds in the woods or something and then we just play around and yeah it's very playful. Yeah I always love those sessions when you call me to say can I, can I get the keys to your studio <laughs> and just try things out and you always say that you wish you were a percussionist but yeah. I think you are one anyway um, but I always find out new things about my instrument through this exploration. We said, here are some frog sounds from <laughs> Australia. How can we make these with things that are only in this room? And even though percussion is a, it's not very limited, it has much more of an expansive palette than a flute or a clarinet even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but still, it's a big limitation when you're trying to copy or reimagine these totally wild sounds from nature. Yeah. So I, I learned a lot from those sessions with you. <laughs> Yeah, I think you can use you can make a lot with uh, don't have so many things. It's very, I can get lost if it's too many. Like when I walk into a percussion studio, it's like boom, it's like millions of instruments. But yeah, to have this limitation of instrument makes it. Then you have to be very creative with a few objects, and then you can find new sounds. Mm. And yeah, I think it's been like this. Uh, research on kids when you put like a, a kid in a, in a room with 
a lot of toys, then it gets very confused. And like, uh, just play two seconds on this toy, one second with this, and don't like, uh, and end up very confused. But then you put the kid in a room with only one single toy, and it starts to like use it imagination and create their own stories and very play around with this toy. And I think this is also, a, for me, a great way of um, compose to don't have so many things. So, but to write for an orchestra, <laughs> it can very <laughs> be very overwhelming. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But what I think is so important about this thorough research that you do is that you go to an orchestra that maybe has never done what you're asking them to do, and maybe they feel a bit nervous or unsure if that's actually going to work. And then because you've been in your home pretending to be an alien and finding these sounds, you can say, no, give me your cello and I will show you. And and because you're able to do that, the result is always so good, in my opinion. I'm just I'm clearly a fan of yours. But I just think it's an important aspect of that the research is not just uh, you looking or sourcing sounds, but you're actually making them yourself. Yeah, but this always, when I start to compose, this was very important for me because I knew especially when you sit in an ensemble that is like bigger or an orchestra, you don't want to stick out. You don't want to be stupid. You don't want to have the conductor saying, what are you doing? Because, yeah, it's not a good feeling. So for me, it's very important that um, musicians know what they are doing. And I need to know what they are doing to be able to show them. So mm. often I make videos of all the techniques that they can watch and then it's up to them so if they haven't tried it out before the first rehearsal yeah then i like okay then it's your fault but you have to give them the chance to to be able to learn it and yeah and i also very much like to meet the um, the players so i like with the radio orchestra i met quite a lot of the players especially the ones that i didn't know before and i was a bit scared of them maybe that they maybe didn't like contemporary music and then it was fantastic mm. someone like um Cicel on the harp she was totally amazing harpist and i got so many ideas from her and i met the trombone players and i always ask them what do you like to play is it something special that you would like to play in this piece and then they say oh i like to play beautiful chords with the trombones and then okay i make some beautiful chords <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's great. But uh, yeah, and also in this piece, uh, it's a lot of like melodies. You're talking about the radio yeah, orchestra piece. Yeah, but uh, mm -hmm. I also put melodies, like in this Bauer piece, it's melodies. And uh, I think it's about shame to not be so ashamed of <laughs> okay. putting melodies and beautiful chords in contemporary music. Yeah, For me, it's like to... Yeah, if my family is going to the concert, I want them to find something that they could like. And and I don't know, I, I, I like chords and I like things that I can be... Yeah, I can be touched by crazy sounds, but I also like... When you put like some very beautiful music in between then the then it helps also the the strange music if you call it strange yeah then it becomes even more strange maybe mm. the bower birds are, are birds that have their home in australia and papua new guinea and it's like 
I think it's around 20 different bowerbirds and um, they are known for building like yeah, constructions uh, and also to collect stuff and uh, yeah the humans have been like fascinated by this bird since uh, since like the many thousand years because the aboriginals they are like looking at this and find like yeah have thought about this bird since <laughs> Since the yeah early early morning, <laughs> and also like the Europeans when they discovered it, as they say, they didn't. But uh, mm. <laughs> but then uh, they also became fascinated, and that's why is they have like kind of human behavior, and also yeah, humans always like animals that have a kind of human behavior. Like if you're watching uh, YouTube videos with a door, like a dog that can open the door, then you think the dog is extremely cute when it do things that uh, humans do. It's very strange, but you don't like animal behavior in a way. Because, yeah, but anyways, this bird have this, yeah, their animal behavior looks like human behavior. Because uh, this bower that they build, it is actually like a theater. And uh, they have a space in front or around the bower. They build special types. I think it's like three different types of bowers that uh, the birds build. And uh, then they're collecting stuff that they put in front of the bower. And it's so exact what they put and how they put the things in front and uh, and they are decorating this power and it's not a home it's it's a place to show off and show what they are good at so it's like uh, what we are doing in the concert hall <laughs> so um, and they are moving this all the time and the bower can be like 20 years old and it's, they steal from the other bower birds to have like uh, yeah, some like the like the satin bower bird only like the color blue so it uh, finds blue stuff it have a very blue plumage also and mm. blue eyes, so they think maybe the blue color make them shine okay. <laughs> make them <pop>. much more. <laughs> so they steal, and also now they they have like um, plastic blue plastic stuff that they put in the bow, and that's very strange. And also, some bow birds that lives close to like a cemetery, they use a lot of things from the cemetery to to decorate their bower like um, plastic flowers and <laughs> things that they found find there like small stones like um the, uh, yeah it's very interesting how they um, behave and mm. some and they like why are they doing this <laughs> because and they yeah and they like scientists is like because like humans we don't have time we don't have to spend time of uh, finding food hmm. and their habitat is very rich with food so hmm. they don't have to use time on this they can use time on on making a nice bower <laughs> like we are spending time making a nice home and buying stuff and to look great so and also I read yesterday that um, some of the bower birds like yeah, travel quite far, maybe to the coast, and find things by the coast that they like yeah, take with them to the bower. And they, this shows that they are very strong because they can carry this for such a mm. long, yeah, trip. But I thought it was also strange because we humans, we always when we travel far, we like 
find some things from souvenirs. these uh, souvenirs from uh, like I have been in uh, in uh, Turkey or <laughs> whatever to like show or Instagram like we are traveling so much we are so rich uh, with culture or with money that we can do this right. and this make your status like uh, grow so yeah it's, it's a fascinating about, yeah it's very um, and how are you bringing this into a musical work with sound initiative actually the how it ended up as um, this bower piece is quite <laughs> interesting because i went to paris two years ago to work have a workshop with the sound initiative and uh, julie Depre. and um, i didn't have i had actually another id and then we had this had this she's a choreographer And then we had all this uh, tryouts, and we were. She was. She liked to use all the things that are in the room and move around with all the things, and and together with the music, and to like. And when the during the piece, the room has completely changed, changed. And um, when I uh, was traveling from Paris, I like wow. Yeah, this is exactly as the bubble birds are are <laughs> are doing. They are like decorating, moving things around the whole day, like uh, spending time with, like make it look great. <laughs> so then I like, oh yeah, now I know what the piece is going to be. And then the COVID came, and um, yeah, it got like. Uh, the process got uh, moved like all the time and then i thought okay if i because this uh, is a collaborative piece and i needed somebody to to be like work together with i didn't want to sit alone and then i thought about maya nilsson and she's i really admire her work she's, she's an uh, yeah an artist mm. um and a fine artist and also scenographer and make costume costume designer and i wanted to work with her for many years and she also used things from yeah she's very inspired by nature so i met her and she was like yes i want to join <laughs> and um yeah we started to work together and then i got very inspired by, by her work so mm-hmm. it's for me this has been Yeah, very exciting to work with her so close and go to her studio to look at the costumes when she had these tries. Then I find new ideas to the music and how the musicians can move together with the costumes and their instruments and try out at home, make uh, like um, some tryouts for a beak <laughs> that you can place on top of the violin and then try out again and... Yeah, and then I have to find music that fits with the costume that okay, you so are able to play with it. That's interesting. So first you're making a stage and and costumes, and then you will make the music after you find out what this habitat is that you're building. Yeah, yeah, and I watched like videos with a lot of like the different bowerbirds and how they move because they have very exact choreographies. They are because when a mate like a female bird is coming it's like doing very specific movements and all the different bower birds have different dances so it's it's like a nightclub like <laughs> you come there and like do you have rhythm or do you like the dancing ability and the clothes and how yeah, it looks like <laughs> so um Yeah, and this I found very exciting and then I wrote down exactly how the bird moves in a in a, in a score i find uh, 
to yeah find the movements and then I had to think about what kind of musician can play this and play the instrument at the same time so it's like uh, to have the bow as a wing and the violin to hold to make yeah and to make this movement can you make a sound while making the movement and yeah so this created the music mm. um, so I had to like figure out what kind of instrument that um, could be used that it was going to be a transformation when when the when the instrument and the musician is on the stage like this uh, bower stage <clears throat> then the instrument have to change you can't be there and play your instrument because then it looks very strange what mm. are you de- doing there and so then it's like an alien mm. uh, it's so the movement of the musician have to change and also how you use the instrument maybe you just use a part of your instrument and play it so you look like a bird when you play it and yeah all these things can you describe <laughs> concretely so the audience is entering the concert space in bergen now yeah Uh, what will they see? Or does you say that describe <coughs> the Bauer stage? Paint a picture for us. Actually, this is uh, the piece is a day in a, a day in life, <laughs> like the Beatles song. <laughs> no, but it's it's like the you when the audience enters, it's in the middle of the night, so it's very dark, and then you see um, from the sunset and until the sun goes down. <clears throat> so this is one day or one life, perhaps you never know. And um, yeah, so this is. The piece, and when and the scenographic work that Maya is making, I've yeah. seen some pictures on Instagram that look amazing with huge long sticks coming out of a piano. And yeah, yeah, yeah. What what kind of things? What kind of structures are you making in the room? Yeah, we. Um, this was very exciting because I was in Paris one week before Christmas, and then uh, yeah, we Maya wanted this. Uh, So we bought a lot of uh, sticks. We tried to build constructions with it. That and we then we didn't know so it looks like a copy of the bowbird uh, constructions, or shall we make like a human construction, or what? What uh, shall it be? So and then um, actually Julie, the choreographer, she's also an architect. So um, I went there. We had a lot of sticks. And yeah, we got into this uh, state of mind that we started to just build things. Yeah, just to collaborate about uh, something. We had different approach when we started to build uh, these bowers. We made several ones, and then afterwards we found out which one we'd like and what kind of building techniques that worked and what can we use as foundation and yeah and one turned out like <clears throat> like a bower bird mm. and one is like the human bower and this was actually what I wanted from the start to make the piano look like a bower mm. so uh, yeah so the the piano is transformed like a human would have done it and maybe this piano is in the far, far future and that it's like taking over by the nature. Mm. We don't know. And we, we also thought about maybe the bow is like in very far future and you find some skeletons of some birds and you don't know what they did and you try to recreate these um, birds. So it have maybe a dystopic okay. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, side. So it's on one side it's very fun and light and the other side it's kind of serious and dark so it have this uh, night and day and it's also like a nightclub and I made some some uh, 
pop songs. Oh, <laughs> and they're using yeah, synthesizers. And... It doesn't feel like a totally new thing when I think about it, because your piano concerto is like this mini stage where you transform the piano into a forest. Um, but now you're making this kind of environment or habitat on a bigger frame. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the piano being transformed to something <laughs> wild, but also it seems other parts of the room will be brought into a scenographic space. I don't know if, if you feel the same, that that's, it's a kind of natural extension in, in your practice or in, in thinking about the stage as the as the concert stage as a kind of theatrical scenographic space is that is that fair to say yes, that, yes? yeah i think it's exactly that and this is just a bigger thing and it's also to work with other people mm. to be able to go even further mm. has been very important for me and so much fun and they yeah, had to find people that you really feel is like have the same vibe <laughs> like you're sure. on the same brain uh, vibe <laughs> I don't know what it is but uh, for me it's has been extremely inspiring and mm. I think uh, I think it's so much fun to work with this like bigger stage productions mm. what you can do with this uh, it's very exciting do and you I, think you'll keep going yes this? absolutely do you have something in mind um I don't know yeah yeah some yeah But it's also this ensemble, it's very flexible and they are used to work a lot with movements. Mm. So, yeah, they are super good with this um, approach. And it's not so easy to get musicians to move (laughs) (laughs) because some feel very, um, yeah, not not comfortable with um, moving around. But they have done it for such a long time and worked a lot with Julie. So, uh, yeah, it's their expertise. And, uh, yeah, it's like when I was in Paris before Christmas, they were, like, doing things like, wow. <laughs> it was so great. And, uh, yeah, they are really brilliant. Mm. I will just have one last question, uh, because you're somebody who uh, bubbles with inspiration and joy of small things in life uh, you have this hilarious thread on Instagram where you put faces on trees and mailboxes <laughs> and things you just it's so much um, joy in you and somebody that I'm really inspired by so my question is right now what are you you've talked about a lot of things that inspire you in general like Maya like mm-hmm. Sound Initiative but what are you inspired by like the last couple of days oh <laughs> Yeah, what is that? <laughs> I know it's so many things. I have to scan. Yeah, could like, be, what did I do? It's it could, like yeah, the right? brain is like... Poof. It could be music, walking, uh, reading, talking to someone. Lars. <laughs> it could be so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm reading this um, again late in November by Tove Jansson. Yeah. And... Um, Yeah, it's one of my absolutely favorite books, and uh, for me, she's one of the biggest inspirations as an artist and also as a human. I think, yeah, and uh, this book is very special. I have to like actually, my husband is reading it out loud, <laughs> and so it's like every year. I think once a year, um, 
we read it. So this is maybe the fifth or sixth time. So and it's about the Moomin Valley, and um, but the Moomins are not there. It's like people that have a big crisis in their lives, and then they think about where did I feel safe the last like where is a place that I felt safe in in life, and then I think ah yeah it was in the Moomin house that mm. I felt safe. So it's like. Um, Hemulen uh, and Filipionka uh, and this Uncle <laughs> Sulikin and other like they are coming from around the yeah in the around the area I don't know where they <laughs> lives but far away and they come to the Moomin house and uh, it's no Moomin family there and they have to collaborate and uh, find uh, find out with each other how to live and <laughs> they are not not fitting together at all it's like a study of human communication and um yeah for me this is very inspiring and also for this piece actually because the musicians it's like they are coming to this bower and i want this bower to feel very safe because these times are very it feels very um, you don't know what is going to happen very in close future. So I wanted this bow to be a place that you can come and feel safe. And also humans also collect to feel safe like the bower bird. So they have collections that they... Yeah, it's like a syndrome. <laughs> to, so, um, yeah. Coping mechanism. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like these different birds and different musicians that are, yeah, actually sound initiative is very international. They met when they studied and they come from all over the world. So they are like, yeah, like this late in November book <laughs> in a way. <laughs> and they are very different, all of them. So some of them have actually become kind of some of the characters yeah. from um, late in November. And uh, yeah, to to be, I think Tove Jansson was very honest and not afraid of um, being honest. And that's why it's, and not afraid of being silly or or serious at the same time. And this makes it very, go very for me, very deep and I get very touched by it. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think to be, joyful and uh, being sad is <laughs> all the same thing mm. like uh, yeah to be able to to feel yeah you have to put yourself out there <laughs> you do way. <laughs> <laughs> oh I think we'll have to leave it on this beautiful note <laughs> I wish you and Sound Initiative so much luck for the premiere in March thank, thank you thank you so much for sharing everything oh thank you for being invited <laughs> Okay. Welcome. Composer and performer Christina Sjörgersen speaking live in Oslo as she prepares for the premiere of her new work Bauer at Borealis on March 20th in Bergen, Norway. And you can find more details of all of the Borealis 2022 projects at borealisfestival.no. Check out the other episodes of Talking Experiments to hear more about our 2022 festival and make sure to spread the word and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Talking Experiments was presented by me, Jennifer Torrance, for Borealis.